and welcome to season four of the Horton Hangout podcast, a dental podcast like no other. I'm Laura Horton and each month I hang out with individual experts and we answer the questions that you have sent in relating to their field of expertise. Do look out for social media posts and my monthly newsletter to confirm the upcoming guests so that you can send in and have your questions answered every month on season four of the Horton Hangout podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome to the final episode in this season of the Horton Hangout podcast. Today, I'm hanging out with a lovely friend of mine. His name is Joe. And you may know Joe from the dental media. He worked in dental media for 10 years. For the past three years, he's owned Catalyst, which supports dental companies with their sales and marketing. He also runs the Future of Dentistry Summit and the Fast Tracking Your Future program. So what do you need to know about Joe? Um, Joe really has a fantastic knowledge and understanding of the dental trade. He is extremely well-versed in publishing in the modern times. He's great at helping you to win awards and get a fantastic approach to entering the awards. He's marketing. And one other thing that Joe can really help you with today is the importance of networking. He is a serial networker. If you didn't know that, you do now. Joe is the real sweetheart. He's a salt of the earth kind of guy. I've never heard him say a bad word about anyone. And that's why Joe is my friend, as I cannot stand people who badmouth others. So without any ado, Mr. Joe, love it. How are you? Well, I feel like you really, really oversold me there. And now <laughs> I feel like there's too much pressure on me to deliver here a good podcast. Oh, well, Joe, you are salt of the earth kind of guy. You do love a bit of banter. You are fun. I don't know what you're saying about me saying I never bad about people. We slag people off all the time, Laura. No, you don't. We literally and schedule it in the diary. Joseph, as if. <laughs> Dear me. I'm only teaching. Do you know, on that comment, I have to say, Joe and I were talking the other day on the phone. And I don't know if you picked up on this, Joe, but afterwards I reflected on... Well, I was still laughing after speaking to you because Joe always makes me laugh. And I realised that I must have sounded like a real old woman on the phone call because I actually said the words, dearie me. (laughs) (laughs) Did you pick up on that at all? I didn't, but now you mention it. (laughs) Yeah, I thought, oh, no, he's going to take the right pee out of me next time we speak for saying that I must sound like I'm my mother's age. Oh, dearie me. (laughs) Um, You know, just keeping it clean on the phone call. Uh, we'll keep no, it I always enjoy today. talking to you. I always enjoy yeah. talking to you. Like you say, we've been friends. I think we've been friends for what more than ten years now, and you've always been very good to me. Um, I won't use the words wisdom because that makes everybody know now how much significantly older you are than me. Uh, but no, you've always been very kind, always helpful to me. So it's a real privilege to be your VIP end of season podcast guest. <laughs> I love how you've labelled yourself as the VIP end of season podcast guest. That's the only reason I did it was the promise that I'd be a VIP. (laughs) If you didn't know Joe before, this is the real Joe. Um, He's always funny, always making me laugh. Right, Joe, let's get right into it then, because like you say, I've known you a very long time. I remember 
when Joe was essentially a young lad working at FMC, strutting his stuff, stuff around all of the uh, conferences and trade shows. And I think one of the things about you is that you're, you were always very approachable and you were always very interested um, in people. You know, I've observed you when I've been standing on stands. Um, you're fantastic at networking, aren't you? Do you enjoy it? Yeah, I, I genuinely, I know it sounds really sad, but I really get a buzz out of going to events. I've really missed them over the past sort of 18 months, two years. So I'm super excited to get to the London Dentistry Show in a couple of weeks' time and reunite with people. But I, yeah, it's, um, I don't have many talents, but I really do enjoy networking, meeting new people. And, and like you say, I am genuinely interested. I'm not just feigning interest, but yeah. It's nice that you observed me when I was fresh out of uni, dumpy little kid, two haircuts, business at the front, party at the back. Yeah, I, I, lo I love the dental sector. It's given me so much. And um, yeah, I hope I can repay it in some ways. Yeah, I think I do remember having a, a, a laugh with you about one of your ties once. I said it was far too corporate, didn't I? Oh, well, uh, it was probably my dad's <laughs> when they first sent me on the road. It really was the dad tie, Joe. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I was like, what are you wearing? Yeah, and I was like, what are you wearing? Why are you wearing this tie, Joe? It's new. It doesn't suit you. And, I think um, people took the mick. So one day my mum took me down to Marks and Spencer's and then uh, we got like a whole new style. And then I remember going to an event and then everybody saying that I look like Chris Tarrant. Who wants to be a millionaire? It wasn't a strong look either. <laughs> took me a long time to get a grip when it came to fashion. So was that the last time you went shopping with your mum as well then? Yeah, down to M&M's. Uh, Joe, a real mummy's boy, just to let everybody know, uh, which is obviously lovely. Right, okay, Joe. So you've got, you've got two fantastic brands. You've got Catalyst Agency and Catalyst Sales and Marketing. So starting with the sales and marketing business, that's your baby, isn't it? The first business you designed really through all your knowledge of the dental trade to support the dental trade. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. You've clearly done your homework. I'm impressed. So essentially, the, the main crux of my business is the catalyst sales and marketing side of things. So I've got two types of clients. I have those international clients that want to sell products and services to UK dental professionals, but don't necessarily want a full-time office, full-time sales staff here. So essentially what they're doing is tapping into my experience of the sector and my network and using me as like a sales and marketing hub. Um, so yeah, I work for a couple of people over in the US, in Italy. So yeah, some really, really great people. Also as well, I work for a number of UK-based companies as well where they don't see it fit to have like a full-time sales team. And again, all the associated costs of car, laptop, expenses, and they just outsource things to me. And again, um, yeah, just through my my network and contacts, hopefully, fingers crossed, do a good job for them. Yeah, fabulous. Okay, so I've got a couple of questions then, because obviously there are huge corporations with big budgets, and then there are small businesses like mine and startups, and that's what you're clearly supporting within the sales and marketing business. But let's focus on startups for a minute, because I've got a question. Um, so. Many people who are starting up, they tend to have sort of, you know, collabs with others to try and support 
support their end goal, don't they? But mm-hmm. I want to I want to talk about one area in particular that I think really applies to dentistry. I'd like to know what your thoughts are. OK, so hypothetically, right, there's a small company. They've got an awesome product, but th- because they're a small business, when they have inquiries or they're at perhaps trade shows, it's the guy or girl who designed the product that's selling it. Yeah. So you and I know there's a problem there, but what is that problem and how would you help that small business in the dental trade? Why is it a problem? Because they are the technical, detail orientated designer with an immense left brain. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's always a problem. Often the person that's responsible for designing the product and service is the person that's most passionate about it. Don't necessarily need to be a particular personality type in order to sell something. I feel like the most important things are having that passion and energy to talk about something eloquently and knowledgeably, but also just to be honest and transparent about a product. I think, um, you know, like I, I, you know, I've worked in sales before. I've, I've been a sales director of a company. There's that sort of common um, uh, perception of salespeople that we're all like greasy secondhand car salespeople and and I just I just don't think that's the case I think salespeople come in all shapes and sizes and guises you know so yeah I don't don't think it's a problem if if, if you're a young entrepreneur not necessarily young but an entrepreneurial person and you've got a product or service that you feel like can help the dental industry I wouldn't be concerned about outsourcing it to salespeople or somebody like me like I say you can talk about it openly and honestly and I think people will buy into it if they feel like it's going to help them in their practice I think they're the key things aren't they because I know when I've come across you know as you know I also used to love a trade show um pre pre having a child <laughs> and then last year I was like I'm going to start going to all the trade shows again he's older and then there haven't been any on but never mind so yeah I know I've definitely come across a lot of people who are so in, also ingrained in the business in the technicalities because some things within dentistry are so technical aren't they they're so detail orientated yeah. and then they're not necessarily then you know when I've observed and witnessed and, and, and helped a few people thinking about the way in which they deliver the benefits of their product across. Oh, yeah. Now I see yeah. what you're saying. So, like, they can overly convolute it. Mm-hmm. I, I would say people don't necessarily care about getting into the nitty-gritty of the technical side of things or the science of things. They essentially just want to know more the benefits rather than the features and how, essentially, it can help them. Yeah. So I see what you're getting at now. You're basically yeah. talking about dorks selling stuff and getting, like overly complicated it's the technical left-brained person isn't it who's they are passionate and I think that's a really good point what you said they if you're passionate about your product then you can sell it I totally agree with that they are passionate but sometimes they're really passionate about the process of how they got Mm. to the end result not the end result yes that's amazing talk more about that and what the benefits of that particular product are they'll talk more about the and the process of getting to this product you know this product took me you know seven years to design it took me the yeah. you know rather than uh, I've designed this product I've put my you know life and soul into it blood sweat and tears and this is what it does for you yeah the fact of the matter is people just don't really care that much 
we always talk about a whiffum, as in what's in it for me, right? That's all people care about. Yes. Yeah. What can it do for me? What can it do for yeah. my practice? How can it save me money? How can it make me money? Yeah, exactly. And that's the first thing to deliver. If they're interested, then they'll ask more questions, won't they? They'll want to know more. They'll ask. They want to know about the features. They want to know about the advantages. They'll ask, but get straight in it. So, yeah, that's something I've definitely witnessed a lot. So Glad we eventually ended up on the same page there. We ended up on the same page, Joe. <laughs> um, so, but it wouldn't matter if we didn't, because that's what this is all about. <laughs> And you and I always have very interesting conversations, which I, I enjoy. So something that you've got um, in regards to, you know, your areas of passion is publishing in modern times. OK, so I find it really interesting that you help dental businesses and individuals in, in quite traditional ways, but with a modern twist. So how does that apply to publishing? What what? is modern times in publishing what do you advise what do you recommend i still think there's a real place for publishing and um judging by not only the reaction of uh, the people that we've had things published for in recent times but the response that they've gotten uh i, I really think that demonstrates that, that there's still a place for it i think there's certain uh, credibility to seeing articles, your articles go into print. Uh, and also, I, I think it's, it's just nice to have that tangible. If you have something in print, you can you can share it with people, you can pass it on. I think the people do still appreciate that traditional method of publishing. Um, you know, conversely, obviously, if you get stuff printed digitally, digitally published digitally, it is a, uh, a good way of syndicating it and getting it out there quicker to a broader audience. So I, I really think there's a place for both, both platforms, quite frankly. Yeah, fantastic. So tying the two together and, you know, I'm sure it applies to many other people as well. But I know when I've published articles uh, in journals and then all of a sudden one day that's online, and I'm being tagged in Facebook and Twitter with with a link to the post as well, which is just lovely. So it's been out there, you know, it's been published, it's been delivered. And then a few yeah. months later, it's then being pushed out again, which is lovely. Yeah. And also, I think, you know, you have to remember, Laura, you and I are like young, sexy, digital savvy. You know, we're on social media all the time. We, we have to... Know, disassociate ourselves from that and realize that there, there are an older crowd of people that still aren't on those social media channels or, or aren't on on websites so they prefer that that uh, traditional medium of print and yeah that is how they are sourcing their information yeah i agree and also uh, social media such as linkedin facebook twitter yes people can put links out on but there's so many people that I know, including yourself, who really are just on Instagram and that's it. So, you know, you're not putting links in your posts. It's all about linking the bio. Um, so therefore, a lot of people are on Instagram because it's a positive place to be. It's not full of links of, you know, depressing news and such being put out in front of you. So still having that, you know, beautiful journal posted to you to deliver is still a way of accessing that, even if you are young, Joe. Like, I love that you're calling me young. I haven't paid him to say this, everybody, but um, thank you. It will cost you eventually, <laughs> one way or another. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. Okay, let's talk about um, trade shows then. So you're looking forward 
So getting back to the trade shows in September. It's Olympia, isn't it? The first one that's uh, mm. coming up. You're going to be there yeah, every I'm day? I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm intrigued as to how um, busy it's going to be. Mm. I, I, I don't know whether people are excited to get back in and amongst things or whether people will still be slightly hesitant about getting out into you know crowded places like Olympia. But either way, I think, you know, I know a few people that are going, so it'd be good to see them. And obviously there's people that we've connected with over the past 18 months via things like Instagram. We've just not met. If you feel like you know them and you, you, you're uh, conversing with them regularly, but we've never actually physically met them. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously this will be out and will be live before that event. I think it's going to be busy. I just think it will be, especially this Saturday. This is how much of a sad act I am, Laura. It's my birthday on the Saturday. Oh, Joseph. And I'm going to be spending it at a dental conference. You make me feel like I need to go now. Well, <laughs> just to come celebrate my birthday. We'll do a, we'll do a tequila shot at 11am on the Saturday morning on your stand. We'll have, we'll have a cup of tea and a bit of cake. <laughs> now you are showing your age again, dear me. Yes, but that's what we like to do, isn't it? Meet for a cup of tea and a bit of cake. We do actually, yeah. So if we look at small businesses again, so I know there's been a few times where I've actually had a stand at a trade show and it's been mm-hmm. really, really expensive. It's such such a expense, not just on the stand, it's the kit, you know, setting it all up. I also didn't find that was necessarily great for me for my business. And I've done it a couple of times and that's it. I, I, I definitely won't do it again. So... How do you help small businesses like myself when it comes to trade shows? Obviously, you're a master at networking, but are you helping small businesses at trade shows, but in a bit of a different way? What what would you recommend? It's all about picking the right one. So like you say, you know, going to the major national events, it can become a very expensive exercise when you factored in the stand design and build and costs of hotels and putting staff members up and when they start racking up massive bar bills as well even the cost of the sandwiches in those places is extortionate so it can be quite an expensive exercise and I just think depending on the company and where it is during its uh, uh, you know life cycle there are shows out there there are platforms and there's like smaller association shows I know FMC do some more uh, regionalized shows I think there are cost-effective ways of getting out there and, and, I, and I really believe in it and I, and I believe in it for a number of different factors. It's not just a case of how much you sell there and then on the day, it's relationships that you will build. Um, I mean, you alluded to it earlier on, on in this podcast about the importance of collaborations. I really, really believe in strategic alliances. I mean, if you're going to be in a place where there's lots of other dental companies, Sometimes you can do, you know, form those strategic alliances and, and they can both end up being beneficial for both parties. Um, and then also, I think in terms of just gathering knowledge and keeping your finger on the pulse, it's really important to see what's going on out there. And maybe, you know, somebody might not buy your product or buy into your service, but it's good to get their feedback. And, it, you know, it's, it's very much there and then on the day, people will tell you, hey, listen, I, I used to work with you guys uh, but I don't because of this reason. It's really good to, um, you, you know, um, meet these things head on and, and, and deal with them. Lovely. Fantastic. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I know for a fact that some of the 
relationships that I have with businesses that I've had for over a decade, I've had right from the start because of trade shows. I know that. That's where I've met people. I've had meetings. I've been introduced to other people, other companies. And, you know, those companies still support me now. And what was really interesting was that during the, the lockdown uh, during the pandemic, how much those companies uh, also reached out to support as well. It was really like, wow, you know, just getting emails and messages like, how are you? Just want to check in. Is everything OK? Um, because it was so up in the air for everyone, wasn't it? Um, that I was like, oh, my gosh, that is so nice. Um, so to know you've got those relationships. Yeah, I think, yeah, collaborations, nurturing relationships. Absolutely lovely. Uh, I always um, recommend to young dentists and young dental professionals, try and get to these things, uh, you know, go to the awards, uh, go to the exhibitions, go to the conferences as well, because it's just such um, a, a great way of learning just about the industry as well, but also meeting and networking with your peer group as well. And, and, and you, you can form relationships, like you said, that will, will last for 10, 20 years. Yeah, absolutely. If not longer, we'll see where we are in another 10, Joe. <laughs> I'm envisioning a massive fallout off the back of this podcast. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> right. Okay. So let's talk about the Catalyst Agency. I remember speaking to you on the phone. I remember where I was. I was driving down the M11 and um, we had a phone call and you said you'd got this idea. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. I love it. And your idea was the Catalyst Agency. So do you want to tell everyone about that? Um, yeah, sure. So just to give a bit of the genesis of it, last year at the beginning of lockdown, we obviously found ourselves with quite a lot of spare time on our hands. And I remember talking to a good friend of mine, uh, Amit Patel, specialist periodontist up in Birmingham, always been a great mentor to me. And he was saying, Look, you have knowledge of the sector that you're not, uh, that other people, other dental professionals, just just have no idea about and and I think sometimes the knowledge we have we just take it for granted so things about like how to get published how to enter awards you know what course options there are out there for you what shows to go to and um he really tore into me he was like you should do something so uh, I started a program called um fast tracking your future which was just a, a zoom one-on-one chat and I was really grateful to uh, some of the people that I've networked with over the years that have heavy presence on, on Instagram that pushed it out. And I think uh, I, I spoke with over 100 young dental professionals last year and 100 this year. And it was great to talk about all, you know, all different manner of things, but also where it was really beneficial to me was it was good to get an insight into where they were sourcing their products and service information. And it was quite insightful in so much that the same names were coming back to me in terms of people that they were watching on social media channels and looking at, you know, about what loops they were wearing or what composite they were using. And I knew a lot of these people and I thought these people are becoming increasingly powerful as I hate the word influencers because it has like, such negative connotations, but maybe it's like a new wave of key opinion leaders and I just thought there's a real opportunity there to potentially marry up products or brands with these you know, online influencers and then for them to use their platform to push and promote certain things. Um, 
hard rule that I have for myself is it has to all be like really super ethical. So, you know, it might be a new product that I present to the to key opinion leader, but I want them to be using it. I want them to love it. I won't do anything unless they believe in it and they're happy advocating it. So it's not like we, you know, say, oh, look, look, you know, company X is willing to give you a load of money when you just flog their stuff. They have to really believe in it. And, and you know, it has to uh, be something that you know, they're very much on board with themselves. Fabulous. So um, you don't like the term denfluencer either then? I mean, does anybody? <laughs> you should see Joe's face, everybody. It's a classic. <laughs> I, I, just, I just think when you hear the word influencer, you just imagine some tosser in Dubai with like an empty bottle of Grey Goose that's filled with water, fake Rolex. Do you what know what I mean? these people and they bought their followers it's all just russian bots so i just i try and avoid that term because yeah i feel like it has negative connotations well i think you know again traditionally it's always been opinion leaders and key opinion leaders that's that's what it's always been about hasn't it the people aligning themselves to brands in that way um because it's a brand that they trust and work in like you say i think you're right influences yes they all just attach themselves to anything for money. I think we all know that when we see these things, hashtag exactly. ad, you know, use this soap. It's soap. You know, you're getting paid to promote soap. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it can definitely be a negative. I think opinion leaders is definitely much nicer. Also, what about... Um, it's at this point, I'd just like to um, mention the current hair loss formula um, that I'm wearing now. <laughs> I'm not going to do an ad in the middle of your uh, your podcast, or I wouldn't do that no, to you. Don't have any ads on my podcast. Not without cutting you in, cutting you into some of the money, anyway. <laughs> so, so also these opinion leaders, surely they get approached all the time to promote this product, to promote that product, and it must be quite a headache for them. I imagine is that the case? Yeah. So, um, and as well. It can quite often be some dodgy fly-by-night, I don't know, Yeah. Chinese handpiece company saying, oh, you know, push and promote this. And, 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 and I think what, what, where I can help these people as well is these guys are great content creators and great clinicians. It just enables them to focus on doing what they're best at. And then I can just take care of the commercial side of things. And because I've got experience, um, within the sector i can quite quickly discern okay this is a legitimate company you know everything's above board they're they're great products Uh, uh, whereas you know we can quite quickly siphon out who the time wasters are and you know the people they're just trying on yeah and because you know these people so well anyway you pretty much probably know if they're using a product already or you'd be able to second guess it quite quickly i'd imagine yeah, I'd say so. I like to go to all the international shows like the IDS. I've been to the shows out in China, which are a lot of fun. Um, so like I say, I think I can quite quickly discern what's a legit organisation compared to some, you know, two Bob dodgy. Uh, we're going to have to talk about these uh, shows in China when we uh, when we speak next, because um, that sounds interesting. Absolutely. Right, let's talk about- Let me tell you. <laughs> Let's talk about awards then, 
because I know you have attended every FMC award for all of the 10 years you were there. You probably were every single one, weren't you? I had to be, yeah. You had, to, you had to be, used to yeah. A lot of, uh, we used to put on a lot of weight in the run-up to Christmas because I think at one time <laughs> we had seven awards. Wow. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was a... Yeah. So, um, in the previous podcast, I asked Mikey Bateman, who's an awarding manager, his top tips for entering awards from the practice perspective. He said that your application has to be genuine. You have to be able to walk the talk, essentially. So from the other side, being with the judges when they have their shortlisting events all the way through to selecting the finalists, what are your top tips that you have for any dental clinic that's entering awards or any dentist that's entering awards? Because obviously we've got the Aesthetic Dentistry Awards, which I think are fabulous. They're one of, definitely one of my faves. Well, the first bit of advice would be don't listen to Mikey Bateman. He doesn't have a clue what he's talking about. No, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. It was all good advice. I'm just teasing. Um, so, yeah, as a judge, the, the, the thing that I, I think really, really is an underestimated important element of award entries is um, presentation. I think, you know, um, us judges, it's something that really, really resonates with us. I, I can't tell you the number of, um, entries that we get that look like they've just been knocked up on Microsoft Word the night before is like the equivalent of doing your school homework on the bus into school, right? And and to me, I think, well, if this person has put that you know much TLC into their award entry, that you know, does that translate to how they're running their practice, how they're treating their patients? So I think it's really, really important that the, the presentation is good. And it, it, like I think if you were to see previous winners of the last five to six years their entries are a mix of like multimedia so videos infographics photos you know a whole plethora of supporting evidence um they're just like such professionally well designed for entries so i think that's that's really really important for a kickoff then i would say as well is quite frankly the competition is stiff like the entries that come in and i remember some you know uh, of the individual awards for like young dentist entries I was reading and these guys are like 28 29 they've achieved so much more than me and I'm like I'm 10 years old I'm like what the hell's going on here can't stand this guy but my god what an impressive entry um I would say like it's really really important that you um fulfill the criteria as a minimum because everybody else is going above and beyond it's incredible like what some of the people are doing out there in terms of charitable projects or you know educating um people on the importance of uh oral health with, within their area uh, you, you have people designing apps as well so yeah i think it's really really important that you try and differentiate yourself in order to stand out from the crowd yeah so a lot of corporate social responsibility people have of course onto that then it's not just necessarily raising money for a charity which of course is fantastic but really going above and beyond and delivering like you say reach out projects within the community that that type of thing's really standing out yeah and i think it's it's great to see and i marvel at the number of people that are actually doing it. i think that's why we work in such a, a brilliant brilliant sector are there's not necessarily people that they, they shout about it all the time but there's people very quietly and diligently going about helping people in their local areas and um, yeah it's, it's amazing to see 
Yeah, that's fabulous. They're great top tips. And I did say that in the podcast with Mikey that people need to look, they need to prepare, they need to know when the deadlines are. They can't just be, you know, oh, the deadline's tomorrow. Let's send something in. You've got to really think it all through, haven't you? Yeah, definitely. And, and, and purely because the competition is stiff. I mean, it, it's great to get shortlisted, don't get me wrong, but you want to be in it to win it, right? Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, there are other dental awards outside of FMC. What would you say is your favourite of all of them? Not for the partying, Joe, but for the... <laughs> but for the substance, the substance. I'm not here for the substance. Um, that's not me. I'm a very surface level guy, you know me. So my original answer was going to be the Dentistry Award because that's just like the last days of Rome up there in Leicester. Oh, that's um, amazing. But in answering your question, I'd agree with you, the Aesthetic Dentistry Awards, I think that has the most credence. And um, yeah, I'm not a judge for that one, but having worked at FNC and seen some of the entrants and some of the standards, because obviously it's, it's, it's a clinical awards. And, you know, I would say it's the stiffest of competition. So if you're winning that one, you really are like cream of the crop, I would say. So yeah, that one. And are the people that don't make it to the shortlist? Because sometimes, you know, just talking now from the, the outside, you know, these shortlists are like two screens long, you know, when they're presenting the names of everyone, you know, people that are on the shortlist, a massive list. So are there people that get declined? I mean, <laughs> you're really putting pressure on me here. What I would say is it's good to be shortlisted because ultimately your patients don't know the nuances of who gets shortlisted and, and how these awards work. And it's just great marketing for you. It's great for you to be able to say, you know, we're, we're shortlisted for as you know, private practice London. I think that's, you know, that's, that's instantly a really good marketing angle. So yeah, that's what I'll say to that one. That's a very politically correct answer there. It was, so and I... that's about as politically correct as I'm going to get. Don't push me again. <laughs> no, but sometimes I'm sitting there, like, listening to these awards, and I think, oh, my gosh, that's 20 people shortlisted. All those 20 people. I think, I personally think it would be, as a team member in practice, you know, and I'm helping practices write their unique selling points and all their blurb and scripts to help support their patients you know to build value in the clinicians it'd be even better to say we were shortlisted for this award it's also the aesthetic dentistry awards it's anonymous isn't it they don't Mm -hmm. the judges don't know which i think is amazing it's anonymous entry and there are only a maximum of five people that can be shortlisted per award throughout the whole united kingdom i think that adds loads more weight but then of course I don't run the awards businesses, so I don't really know what I'm talking about from that side. Look, ultimately, with a lot of these awards, you want as many people there as possible. A lot of people do treat it as Christmas parties, mm. as like a, a social event for their practice. So in that respect, it's a really, really good thing. And you want as many people there as possible. So for a big party, right? Absolutely. It's brilliant. So it's a good thing that lots of people get shortlisted. It is. I I do enjoy them. I think they're fabulous. Uh, the Aesthetic Dentistry Awards, I mean, I remember it was the Smile Awards, wasn't it, when um, it was first came out? And oh, in a hotel in Kensington, that was, if I remember correctly. Showing your Actually, age again. And showing my age again here. But it wasn't <laughs> that big an event because it was new. Um, 
and it wasn't that big of an event and yes you're absolutely right the bigger the event the better it is the the atmosphere in the room is just absolutely fantastic um so yeah uh, and the dentistry wards in leicester is is a very good night out isn't it uh, i mean the less said about some of the things that go on at that event the better right <laughs> i bet you guys hear loads of stuff uh, when you when you're in the media right i want to talk to you now about one last thing which is the future of Dentistry Summit and also the Fast Tracking Programme. So how did the future of Dentistry Summit come about and how do you, who, how, who do you collab with for that? When's it going to be on next? And, you know, why should a young dentist get involved in it? Again, putting pressure on me. So uh, a young dentist can't necessarily get involved with it. It's invite only. It's VIP, isn't it, Joe? Oh, you know me, I'm all about that prestige. Um, so yeah, the way it came about was Ken Finlayson, who's the owner of FMC, wanted to do something collaboratively. I think he, you know, he's an incredibly um, switched on guy. He saw this growth of social media and the increasing important role it had to play within the overall um, media, dental media. So you want to put an event on. So uh, essentially what it is, is it's a 32 people invite only of these key opinion leaders that have strong um, social media followings, not just such those people though, but other people that we feel like can contribute to, um, you, you, you know, um, insightful conversations about what, what is happening within the sector and what the future holds for it as well. So yeah, it's a 32 people held at the Sea Containers Hotel, uh, a roundtable discussion and then a breakout networking drinks afterwards. Um, the answer to when it is, is I don't know, because <laughs> we have now rearranged it three times. So it happened last year and it was brilliant and a great evening. And yeah, a number of times it's been, re been rearranged because of COVID. It's had to be um, rescheduled. And I'm just holding off rescheduling it again for like the third or fourth time because it is an administrative nightmare, as I'm sure you can uh, imagine. And I just want to make sure, you know, that we're not going into another lockdown in winter. There's no other variants or whatever, because I want it to go ahead. I don't want to have to keep rearranging. So, yeah, fingers crossed, we will hold it November, December time. Fabulous. Well, what about the fast tracking your future programme, though? So we, we touched on that earlier. I, I, I do it for one month every year. And um, essentially, it's just an opportunity for young dentists, young hygienists, young therapists, young nurses to, and in fact, they don't even need to be young, uh, people to get in contact to uh, just talk about the business side of, of dentistry, how they can get the most out of the industry, whether it be things like getting published, entering awards, marketing, you know, who to work with, what courses there are out there for them. And um, it's a charitable program. So I uh, I don't charge a fee for it. All I say is if you feel like you can get something tangible off the back of it, uh, a tangible benefit, then that you make a donation to whatever the charity is that year. So I, I change the charity each year. So, Joe, the reason I wanted to end by talking about the Fast Tracking Your Future programme is really just to say a massive thank you to you. Because when you first started this, we were in the initial stages of the pandemic and the money you were raising was being donated to the NHS. So I personally just wanted to say a huge thank you to you for that because you didn't have to do it. 
you don't have to raise money for charity. And at that time, we were hearing all sorts of stories about the NHS. We know how much pressure it was under and people were trying to raise money left, right and centre for the NHS. And you played your part in that. So I just want to personally say thank you to you for that. And you're continuing to do this every year. So what are what are the charities? Oh, that's very sweet of you to say thank you very much. Um, so I, I, I change the charity each year, depending on who needs it. No, no, what you know, what's pertinent at the time. So obviously, you know, NHS Frontline was was hot topic last year. Uh, this year was a charity called um, the Handicapped Children's Pilgrimage Trust, which uh, every year takes a group of uh, disadvantaged youngsters to Lords in France. Uh, away for a week. I've, I've been before. It's absolutely fantastic fun. Uh, I think like every day I had my face painted and I had my nails done. Um, so, yeah. uh, but no, so it, it, it was good to be able to, to help with them this year. But no, I'm, I'm extremely grateful, not only to everybody that jumped onto the calls and, and donated. I mean, honestly, Laura, I met so many nice people, like so many great people, people that I'm, I'm really excited about what their contribution is going to be to the dental sector going forward. I'm really positive about the future of dentistry. Um, but also to those people, my friends in the industry, you know, my, my key opinion leader friends that, that pushed it out there as well. I'm, I'm, I'm really appreciative to them as well. It's, it's great to, to, you know, to get a really decent number of people on those calls. Oh, well, it's fabulous. And you know, you're giving us... Well. Thank you very much. I'm very, very grateful. Oh. But no, you, you gave up your time for free and you, it's great to have that of corporate social responsibility um, within the business. And I just think it's lovely. You're so knowledgeable. You can definitely help uh, all of these young I mean, dentists. I mean, let's not overplay it here, right? I've got a lot of my time, a lot of time on my hands. I've not got kids, family, girlfriend, everything. I've just been sat around playing Call of Duty the whole time. Had I have not done it. So, yeah, if anything, it kept me out of trouble. Oh, now everyone's going to be like, oh, Joe, he needs a girlfriend. And Can you put my number right. up at this point, please? <laughs> if anyone wants a reference, then I think you could probably cut back to the start of this where I've said, <laughs> what a nice guy you are, because uh, you really are. And thank you so much for also giving me your time to appear on my podcast. I do really appreciate it. And I mean it from the bottom of my heart. You are a really sweet guy. You're a good guy. Joe's a great person to know. So if you don't know him, do connect with him, have a chat, meet at the trade shows as, as they're uh, coming back. He'll definitely be there, I can tell you that much. And uh, he'll definitely be able to help you whether you're a young dentist, whether you're an opinion leader, possibly think you're becoming an opinion leader, um, whether you want to talk about publishing, uh, developing your brand, uh, entering awards joe will definitely be able to help you so joe thank you so much for your time and thank you for being the last guest the vip guest as you've named yourself on this final episode of the horton hangout podcast thanks very much very sweet of you to say all those kind things i've really enjoyed it so thank you very much thanks joe <laughs> Thank you so much for hanging out with us. I'd really appreciate it if you could give my podcast a five-star review and do subscribe so you can listen to every podcast the moment that it's released.